When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme this morning, John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103 and texts and WhatsApps already starting to arrive in. Thank you for that to 0862-103-103, including one from Anne that's just uh, popped up on the screen in front of me. It's a morning, Patricia. Did you get much side effects from the second dose of the vaccine? Did you take Panadol? I got my second jab of Pfizer last uh, Sunday. Did I take Panadol? I did. I took the same advice that I was given when I went to get my first shot. I took the Panadol before I went to get my vaccine and then I took it again probably about six hours later and then I took it again before I went to bed. Didn't have any side effects at all on Sunday. Very same as when I got the first uh, jab and then on the Monday, just to err on the side of caution and because I was going back to work after my week off, I took some Panadol after my breakfast on Monday morning, came to work everything was fine again didn't have any side effects if I pressed on my arm where the injection went in it was a little bit tender but other than that I couldn't feel any side effects in my arm and then everything went swimmingly well and then at about tea time on Monday evening I just got what I can only describe as an merciful wave of tiredness didn't feel unwell I just felt exhausted and I plodded along until about 8 o'clock and I just said to Hobby that's it I have to go to bed and I went to bed and I was tucked up in bed and asleep by half 8 slept right the way through until the alarm went off on Tuesday morning and then fine so I've, if that was a side effect and some say it is tiredness can be one of the side effects but that's the, at the most I got by way of a side effect but did I take Panadol? Yes absolutely I did and I don't know how many people might have watched the Neffet press brief thing yesterday. My God, wasn't it probably the most positive Neffet briefing that we have seen since the start of the pandemic and to hear our Chief Medical Officer deliver this upbeat report on the COVID-19 situation uh, was fantastic and he suggested that many of the public health measures and the restrictions that are currently in place, he's now saying that the majority of those may be lifted by the end of next month. It's starting to look more and more likely that August and certainly by September uh, we will be returning to relative normality in this country. Now he did there was a little bit of caution from uh, to, uh, Tony Houlihan. Uh, he says we may need to give some consideration and he has suggested that people should avoid non-essential travel to Northern Ireland because Northern Ireland, the variant that we're most concerned about, the Delta variant is more prevalent. He's actually going to speak to the his Northern Ireland 
the, his counterparts in Northern Ireland today and he said a very close eye is going to be maintained on the progress of the Delta variant in the north. Now most of the Delta variant cases that have been detected in this country are in Dublin and even when you look at that overall it appears that we have intercepted early to reduce the spread. We have 188 cases of the Delta variant identified in this in this country but the progress has slowed down. I think it peaked about a month ago and then it has slowed down and actually there's a really good map that I saw up online on where the Delta variant is around the country and you can they've got dots around the country as to where it is in Dublin as Tony Houlihan says the majority of the cases of the 188, 134 of the cases are in Dublin. We here in Cork there's been three cases of the Delta variant identified in Cork. There's been three cases in Limerick. There was one in Kilkenny, two in Wicklow. There was four in Westmeath, one in Roscommon, one in Mayo, two in Leitrim, three in Monaghan and there was six cases in Louth and there was one in Meath. So the bulk of them, 134 in Dublin. And I'm wondering, uh, but obviously with everything that's been happening with the HSC, with the cyber attack uh, I wonder if you dug even deeper is that the reason I'd love to dig even deeper into those figures of the 134 in Dublin how many of those are actually in the quarantine hotel they've been picked up as people came off planes and were sent straight to the quarantine uh, hotel it would be interesting to get further breakdown but here in Cork in the, that, and that would have been in the last month only three cases were identified here in Cork so it does look like the progress of the Indian variant certainly has slowed down and it's been no Nothing like what has happened across the water in England or even what's happening up in uh, the north. Unvaccinated people are being advised not to travel to Northern Ireland where the variant is increasing in all areas. It is particularly high in the Derry area. The variant now accounts for one in five cases in Northern Ireland um, and in the Republic, we are very much keeping it at bay. When you look at our number of cases versus how many of them are the Indian variant, we are only at 5% of our cases are now the Indian variant. Dr Tony Houlihan says that uh, overall, since the reopening of hotels and outside dining, we are now experiencing near elimination of COVID-19. Now that's obviously in the vaccinated uh, population for people aged 50 to 65 who are in the process of receiving protection from full vaccination. The incidence is continuing to drop. Philip Nolan was speaking at that press briefing yesterday and Professor Philip Nolan of course he's the the person who tracks the virus. He says the incidence of the virus is falling now among people aged 55 to 64 and that's after evidence that it's already been dropping in the older age groups we've seen for quite some time. There's been very few cases in people over the age of 65. There's now indications in the last week that it's also falling in the 45 to 54 year old age group and they say vaccination is the key driver in the reduction in infection among the most vulnerable. He said the virus is dropping off with around 303 cases on average a day and that's compared compared to four to five hundred in recent months. There is persistent high incident rates though in the younger age group. The age group now that has the highest
highest amount of cases of COVID-19 are the 19 to 24 year olds and he says that's the age group now that we need to watch and of course the number of people going into hospital is also uh, dropping it's down from 103 to 57 and that's the drop off it has been in the previous two weeks so that certainly is uh, good news and of course deaths have also fallen now we don't have exact numbers on deaths and uh, it's unclear as to exactly how many people have been dying as a direct of direct result of COVID and that's because of the impact of the cyber attack on the HSE that's affected the data and how they collate how many people have died from COVID-19 because I know yesterday somebody was asking why are they not mentioning every evening when we hear how many new cases why haven't they mentioned the deaths and that's because of the uh, cyber attack now the advice for now uh, is from mid-July when travel within the EU will be allowed and that'll be under the EU digital cert people who are not fully vaccinated should not go abroad Tony Houlihan has said there has been no decision yet on whether to vaccinate children under the age of 16 so that would mean family holidays with young uh, children are going to become a bit of a problem because the parents may already have been vaccinated their children won't have been vaccinated the advice is that anyone who's not fully vaccinated shouldn't travel abroad so it's going to be up to parents to make the decision while they're vaccinated will they take the risk of bringing their children who are not uh, vaccinated and there is just this concern remains that unvaccinated people will travel abroad and besides they themselves mightn't get very sick but the danger is that they'll bring the virus back with them and of course then if they bring the virus back with them we end up in the situation then where it starts to uh, spread but to hear Tony Houlihan say we are now experiencing near elimination of COVID-19 in the vaccinated population just gave me so much joy uh, yesterday and he also went on to say for people who are fully vaccinated and fully vaccinated remember there's a period of time after you get your second shot like for example in my own case I got my second shot on Sunday so this Sunday I will be deemed fully vaccinated for people with AstraZeneca they have to wait two weeks after the second one to be deemed uh, fully vaccinated and of course those who got the Johnson & Johnson after two weeks of their first shot they are fully vaccinated and for Moderna, I think it's two weeks after the last shot, they're deemed fully vaccinated. But once you once you are fully vaccinated, Tony Houlihan yesterday said, people who are fully vaccinated can safely resume normal life. What does that mean? It means meeting other fully vaccinated people from up to two households. You can do that indoors. You don't have to wear masks. You don't have to worry about social distancing. And people who are fully vaccinated can also meet unvaccinated people. Now, not in a huge setting but you can meet unvaccinated people from one other household indoors and you won't have to worry about uh, wearing masks and I think that's particularly important for older people who would be vaccinated but maybe their adult children and their grandchildren are not fully vaccinated. I mean Tony Houlihan yesterday saying that yes those people could come visit your house and you can go visit their houses and you don't have to worry about wearing masks. But we have one of our listeners in a little bit of a dilemma, kind of very much tied in with everything we've been discussing there about people who are fully vaccinated versus children and teenage children who are not fully vaccinated. And this ties in with uh, travel. Now, Ma- we're calling this listener Marion. She's asked us not to reveal her full name or where she is in uh, Cork, but she doesn't want anybody else to know what's going on in her life. But Marion has a brother and a sister-in-law and who live in 
the UK. They actually live in the greater London area. Uh, so the brother and his wife and three teenage children are booked to visit Marion here in Cork. The brother and his wife are both fully vaccinated and have been fu- fully vaccinated for some weeks now. But the three teenage children are not. They'll be staying with Marion for three weeks. Now, the problem is that Marion's husband thinks that this trip should be cancelled. Marion says her brother and his wife and the children, they travel over every single year. Last year was the first summer since Marion's brother got married that they didn't make it over in the summer. So they've been coming every year and these three children, uh, these three little English children have been kind of growing up, spending three weeks of their summer always over in Cork uh, with uh, Marion. And she said she knows, speaking to his brother and to the her nieces and nephews, they really are looking forward to this trip because they weren't able to make it over last year because of the pan- pandemic. But Marion says it is causing huge arguments in her house. Every time she comes off the phone from her brother, Marion's husband is saying, for God's sake, this trip has to be uh, uh, cancelled. Now, Marion says both Marion and her husband are fully vaccinated, but they have two children in the house, their own children, who are not fully uh, who are not vaccinated, obviously, because they are under the age of 18. So she's in that bit of a dilemma. She's arguing with her husband. She can see it from her brother's point of view, how excited the brother is about coming home for the three weeks in the summer. But then when you're listening to Tony Houlihan saying to people, and Tony Houlihan did advise the public against non-essential travel to Britain, Uh, He did advise that yesterday over the fast spreading uh, Delta variant and obviously a holiday is deemed non-essential travel. And if he's advising the public against non-essential travel to Britain, do we assume that he's also advising people in Britain not to travel to Ireland at the moment while we have this variant of concern and while this Delta variant is spreading and it's still spreading. There's an, uh, you know, it's spreading at an alarming rate uh, in England. It's almost doubling. The numbers are almost doubling. I think every 11 days since they've identified this variant in the UK. So what does Marion do? Does she continue to argue with her husband and let her brother, her sister-in-law and the three children come over? But then if they do come over, I was discussing this in the office with uh, with John Paul and we were saying, if they do come over, they're going to have to, the advice they came out this week, they'll have to self-isolate for 10 days. They're going to have to get, it'll be, it'll be costly because they'll have to get PCR tests after five days. And then if they're non-vaccinated, which will be the three children, they have to get a second PCR test, isn't it, after 10 days. And it's only at that point they're then deemed safe so they will they could they ultimately will spend 10 days in the house but then how does Marion keep her children away how how do you work that out how do you self-isolate in a house where you're going to vaccinated and unvaccinated people it's a bit of a head wreck and and I'm sure even the fact that five people travelling to your house for three weeks it's probably a bit of a squeeze every summer it's always been fun and people put up with you know extra beds and people topping and tailing in beds and you know people we've all done that over the years have had visitors home uh, from England and it's always been fun and you know uh, so but would you be able to do that in the middle of a pandemic if you've got five of them trying to self-isolate? I, I don't, the logistics, I don't know what size house Marion lives in, but I take it she doesn't have a West Wing or an East Wing that she can say, will you go there and self-isolate? But anyway, Marion is just wondering what 
do other listeners feel is should she is her husband right should she be getting on the phone and saying to the brother you know while I know this is disappointing maybe you shouldn't come this year maybe hold out until uh, next year uh, he does have the ferry booked for the journey Pat has been on to us he has lost a leather toolbox and he lost it somewhere on the road between Baltimore and Cork and there's a reward on offer for this lost leather toolboxes safe return and obviously we've all of Pat's details if anybody's come across that and then Dan in Ballinhasic has contacted the programme and I shouldn't laugh about this because this is this is dumping um, but it's organic waste uh, anyway has anybody ever come across this before he ponders he was walking uh, this morning between Inishannon and Halfway and a gorgeous gorgeous morning to go out for a walk and he said on the ditch off the side of the road he says there's a load of boiled potatoes dumped on the roadway he reckons it's about half a coal bag full. So it isn't just like a saucepan full of somebody burnt the boiled potatoes and decided it. Why you would toss them out on the side of the road, I don't know. About half a coal bag. So a lot of potatoes. And he says they're boiled. Somebody attempted to cook the potatoes. I did cook the potatoes. And then they're dumped in the ditch. Now, he said it's an area where dumping has taken place before. But what a strange thing to dump on the side of the ditch. Has anybody ever come across that before? Would anybody know why somebody would be boiling a load of potatoes, half a coal bag full, so a lot of them, and then why would you dump them on the side of the di- of the ditch? If anybody knows what that is all about, can you let us know, please? As he said, it was on the road between Inishannon and halfway early this morning. Thanks to Dan in Ballinhasic for that. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A major review of speed limits throughout Cork County is getting underway, which may see a number of towns and villages declare a 30 kilometre per hour zone. To find out more, I'm joined by Fine Gael Councillor Anthony Barry. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. How often do these speed limits reviews take place by the council? Uh, four to five years um, it comes around and obviously things change an awful lot in a period of time like that. And then they're set for the next four to five years and then that's it. So, that, so it's important that people g- get to have their say. Can members of the public get to have their say? They can. If you go into the council website and as it just escapes to me at the moment what the actual uh, speed limit review I think but if you go into the council website you will be guided through it or else contact any of your local councillors in the area but I would urge people uh, right across the county to engage in this process. Uh, the number of times that people contact, contact us as councillors uh, looking for speed limit reviews and you know now is their opportunity. Get on to your local councillors get the submissions in there and, um, you know, we get on pressure on the engineers as well to see if we can get this done. It doesn't always work, but at least, you know, we, we, we can't say we didn't try. And do I assume when you say members of the public contact you and other public reps, Anthony, in the main, it's people looking for the speed limit to be lowered in their area? Invariably, Patricia, that is obviously the case. I mean, it's seldom around towns and villages that you're looking for an increase in speed limits. Um, I, obviously, on the national roads, that's an issue for TII. But uh, invariably, it is around town centres, village centres, outside schools, and then roads that are adjacent to our towns and villages where people are now using, as a result of the pandemic in particular, uh, as walkways. And I, I would agree concerns about that as well. Do the local Gardaí have a role to play in this? 
Well, obviously, once the speed limit is set, is set in place, um, then it's an enforcement issue. So then the Gardaí take over. It's really out of the hands of the council at that stage. So the pressure at the moment is to get in the, the reviews in there. And after that, once the speed limit is put up there, and you can really, Patricia, you know yourself, you can put all the um, speed limit reviews you want and put up all the signage you want. But unfortunately, there are people that, um, you know, break the law on that. And they are, the, they are the people that we really want to come out down on top of. Is there a view that all housing estates, Anthony, should have a 30 kilometre speed well, I limit? I think there was an issue there as a result of a tragedy a couple of years ago uh, that all housing estates, I believe they should be all at 30 kilometres. But without doubt, every estate that has a true road, and what I mean by that, in that they're not cul-de-sacs, um, estates that you know people use to get from one point to another and drive through those estates, they should all definitely be down to Tufty. Um but I would think that all estates should be at Tufty. I think it's only reasonable uh, where you have children, where you're smart people. Look, and it's not that much of a, an ordeal, really. Um, leave a minute, two minutes earlier, yeah. and everyone is safer. And excuse me, as a particular as a result of the pandemic, we see the roads around our towns and villages that are being used way more, thankfully, and hopefully that will continue The people get out and take the fresh air and realise the beauty that is in our countryside. But if people are out cycling and walking, that motorists take notice, and particularly now this time of the year when you have the extra growth on the sides of the, um, the verges and the ditches, um, and for obvious reasons we can't cut them this time of the year for, from, you know, the bird nesting season is on, just people take more care of but, but they can be caught if it's a road safety issue, can't they? They can be caught at dangerous junctions yeah, and, yeah. and that issue. But I mean, if you're going to say if it's a road safety issue, you would have to cut probably every verge yeah, and yeah. ditch. And I know it's an issue. But you know what, Patricia? If people take a little bit of care, both pedestrians, both cyclists and particular motorists, um, I think, you know, everybody could live together quite happily. Yeah, and you know, it's when we have the fine weather, and God knows we don't get it that often, but people need to be so aware if they're in a built-up area, regardless of what the speed limit is, you never know when a child is going to run out after a ball or there's a, you know, a little kitty on a, on a tricycle or a bicycle can suddenly shoot out from a gateway. Exactly, and that's the point I was saying. If you leave a minute or two minutes earlier, um, you'll get there on time. Take take your due diligence, and you know you don't want to live with um, being the cause of a, a fatality of a child. And nobody wants to live with that. And there's no point in afterwards saying, "Oh, it was the child's fault, or it was whatever's fault that the ditch wasn't cut." Just be careful. Yeah, somebody is is making the point. Uh, well done to the council. We do need a speed limit review, but we can set the speed limit all we want. But greater enforcement by the Gardaí is what is needed, especially in some areas. Would Anthony agree? And that is the absolute kernel of the problem that we have in that, you know, it's very easy to put, I suppose, speed wagons uh, up on the major roads, uh, we'll say the N25, the N71, whatever, um, and that's like shooting fish in the barrel. The difficulties arise on roads that are maybe 50 kph, and there's only one or two, we all know on our roads, there's one or two people that abuse the situation uh, going to work in the morning. And we also have situations where people take shortcuts to country roads to get to work to avoid traffic backlogs. Um, and that's that's where the issues are. It always seems to be people that are rushed to getting somewhere mm. and are using roads that are inappropriate. For and that and that's unfortunately when accidents will and have happened. And that's obviously the case. Mm. Uh, invariably, I mean, OK, there will be, you know, the freak situation where somebody is still taking care and something happens. Um, an animal will jump out from a road or, or, as you say, children come around the corner. But look, if people take care and just leave a couple of minutes earlier. But I would urge everybody 
engage in this process. Um, get onto your local councillor if you can't get onto the council website. Um, I think it's fairly clear, of course, uh, there is a, a few weeks to, to, of a window of opportunity to do this and I urge people to engage in the process. Yeah, because there's no point giving out after the event saying, oh, we need to have a slower speed limit and, and you, did, you did nothing about it. And while we all want uh, safer roads and that is the aim of this uh, speed uh, review, there are areas where you can't reduce the speed limit because it'll disrupt the flow of traffic. There is, but invariably those areas are um, where you have the major roads. So, I mean, you know, there is a problem probably where you have major roads going through villages. Um, you would have a lot of that, particularly in West Cork and that area, and then you need to get other mitigation measures put in place. I also believe that, you know, at the planning process, we're planning for our new um, housing estates. We should have now rather than whinging about the traffic speed of traffic going through the estates at a later stage let's put in traffic mitigation measures at the planning stage so I think that needs to be done that's a, that's a really good suggestion okay so now uh, we have a period of time now where people have a chance uh, to have their say and then talk me through the timeline when would this when would it become law um, I think we've got to the end of this year before it'll actually become law. Okay. But you've only got a window of about, I think, six or seven weeks okay. to get in those submissions. And I would urge people to do it now rather than later because invariably you kind of say, Asher, I have another six weeks to do it. You We're forget it. summertime and yeah. then you're going to forget, yeah. you know. Okay. So people, please engage in the process. Okay, now. the Cork County Council website. Anthony, listen, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. As always, Bridget. Thank you. Okay, good morning to you. Uh, that is uh, Fine Gael Councillor Anthony Barry. And actually, when Anthony was talking about speeding, we mentioned speeding yesterday on the programme. Remember, one of our listeners was uh, said, just could not understand and has, have, has noticed a lot lately that the speed vans are parked on climbing lanes and they're just inside the speed limit. And it's making the point that they knew of people who got caught doing 55 kilometres. It would be a 50 kilometre, but it was on a speeding lane trying to overtake a, a car and somebody was saying you know just really really unfair and there was a few people commenting saying yeah that they have noticed that some of these speed vans are parked in what people feel are inappropriate and I was making the point that when they were first introduced I thought that we were led to believe that they would only be placed in areas where there had been fatal uh, fatal car uh, accidents uh, when lots of people were saying that when they see one of these vans parked that no one has ever been killed on that particular stretch of road or there's never been a very serious accident well Michael and Limerick was on to us to say there is very often a speed van parked outside the church in Abbey Field and it's, he says it really is like trying to catch fish in a barrel but he said a friend of his who lives in the area got a speeding ticket even though the friend knew he wasn't speeding the speed van listen to this picked up the wrong registration and they thought that it was Michael's friend's registration Michael and it wasn't uh, he was actually parked at the time but only that he was able to prove that the car didn't move they ended up checking back on the cameras and they discovered yes that it was the wrong registration the wrong car registration was picked up for some reason it picked up Michael's friend's car who was parked and not the car that was speeding and I don't know how that actually happened but it did but uh, Michael's just making the point that if his friend had just paid the fine he would have ended up getting penalty points 
points forward as well. But uh, he decided to, he he knew, he'd got instinct, it wasn't him, that he wasn't uh, speeding on that particular day. And uh, when he looked into it further, they admitted, yeah, sorry, we got the wrong car registration number. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. C103 have teamed up with Sky Broadband because they are bringing lightning fast speeds up to one gigabyte to homes across Cork under the National Broadband Plan. Can you follow, can you follow my lead? Sky Broadband Ultra Fast will connect families to more of what they love by enabling them to simultaneously download, stream and share content without interruption. We got this rhythm. Can you follow my lead? For more info, click the link for Sky Broadband Ultra Fast on c103.ie. Carrick Navarre Community Council, they're appealing for an upgrade of the wastewater treatment plant that currently services the area. And to find out why this upgrade is so badly needed, I'm joined by the chairman of the Carrick Navarre Community Council, and that's Tom Howard. Good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're welcome. Now, this is to do with the future growth and development of the village. How is the area currently affected by not having an upgraded wastewater treatment plant? Well, at the moment, our, our, our plant has reached capacity. And we want to... It, it, you see, it hasn't been included in the Irish Water Capital Works plan for 2021 to 2028. And what we want to do is get it included in that plan so that growth can continue in the parish. So if it's not included, that means it won't even be looked at until after 2028? Well, yes, that's, that's the point. At the so it's, it's vitally important that we get it included in the works plan, their plan until 2021. Do you know? So if it's reached capacity, the, I mean, that's obviously putting people off building in the area. Correct. You see, there's no building allowed in the area because if you haven't got capacity for sewerage and water, you're in a situation where you'd have to go to the expense of uh, putting your own well and your own system in place. That thing would bring huge cost on potential new householders. But isn't Carrick Navarre to get a new primary school? Yes, the, the, the new primary school in Carrick Navarre is, is commencing in July or August. And uh, while, they will, while they will be included in the existing plan because they're swapping the old school system okay. for the new one. Yeah. That, that, that's covered but to, for, the, for the school to grow into the future and the secondary school to grow into the future. You'd have to have new houses being built for the community to maintain the numbers. That's a good point. That's a, and, that's a and great also point. to maintain the staff in the schools. Do you know? So that's, and and that's, I know uh, I, you're chair of the community council. You've got great plans for a community complex. Yes. Well, we have we secured two acres of land from NAMA a number of years ago, which will be up near the new school. And if this plant isn't upgraded or replaced, we will have to go to the cost and the trouble of installing our own system, which could cost another sixty or seventy thousand euros to the community. So it's vitally important. For that alone, that this plan is extended or renewed. Have you any understanding, and have Irish Water given given you any understanding as to why you haven't been included? Well, 
they haven't really, but you see, the point is that what Irish Water is saying is that there's, n- there's no potential in Carrick Navarre. The reason for that is that when this system is not not up to scratch, you wouldn't have a builder coming in because he could incur the total costs if he had to, if he starts a building as such, you know? Mm. What, so, I mean, and what are the councils saying to you? Are they are they pushing for it? Well, our petition, that's the reason we have, we have a petition online and we have a petition in the local Drummond shop to get as many signatures as possible to ask the council. You see, it is Irish Water deals with all these things. No, not the county council. Yeah, it's out of the council's hands, isn't it? Yes, but, but it is and it isn't. The council can recommend to, to it be done. And if they recommend, they can seek an allocation from national government to get the money to Irish Water. And as a result, it could be upgraded. And do you believe that there would be interest in building houses in the Carrick-Navar area if the wastewater treatment plant had capacity? Oh, definitely. I mean, there's lots of young people who would return to the area. And that's policy, really, you know, to keep people in their own village and in their own area. So I think that'd be great. There's a lot of people who have been refused planning because of this. Ah, that's so, really unfortunate. That's unfortunate. So that's what we are trying to avoid into the future. So what we want to do is grow the village so that young people can live there and send their children to the two new schools. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the one thing, Tom, that we've seen since this pandemic, that more and more people want to get out of the the, the rat race of the city. People want to live in more rural areas, want to live closer to, say, where they grew up themselves. Uh, and we know remote working is now a possibility. We know there's going to be so much blended uh, working going forward that people want to move into areas like Carrick Navarre. Oh, definitely. Like, we're, we're quite, we're still in the county. You know, with the revision there, we thought we might be in the city, but we are not. So we are only about eight miles, really, from Blackpool. Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of people work in Cork, but they want to live in Carrigneval in their own area. Yeah, because there's such a short commute. A very short commute. So, I mean, it's vital that this thing is, is, is supported for the future of the parish and the surrounding areas as such. Do you know what I mean? And you need to get included. I mean, asking an area to wait until at least 2028 to even be considered. Yes. Is, that's I mean, just that's, not fair. No, that's, well, it is unacceptable with a young population as such. But I mean, we have raised this with the council. Councillor Sheila O'Callaghan and Patrick O'Sullivan, TD, have raised this on numerous occasions. So now is our chance to get it included when the, the, the plan for the county is being reviewed. The county development plan. The county development plan. Yeah. So that's that's why we are we are promoting this at this time. Okay, and you have an online petition where people can support you. You have yes, and we also have it in the local shop as well. So that's we're hoping for. We're getting a lot of signatures at the moment. Good. But it's important for everybody, even if you're not living in the immediate area, it could affect your children in the future. Yeah. And come here, tell us about the primary school. When are they starting work on that? The primary school is supposed to commence in July. It's a 37,000 square feet building. Wow. Uh, it has an autism unit, which is we have already for the North Cork area. There's huge employment there. There's, there is about up to 400 children at the moment attending the school. Goodness me. So, so it's a big be, yeah. 
and uh, it's eventually it has got to go ahead. So commencing July or August, we're told. It's definitely a thriving area and it shouldn't be stymied and you shouldn't be stopping. Nothing should be done that's going to stop this future growth and development of the village. OK, listen, and it's change.org if people want to sign on uh, line, yeah. or, or as you say, yeah. in the shop. Good luck with it, uh, Tom, and we'll, we'll check in to see how you're getting on. But in the meantime, thank you for that. Thank you, and thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, that is Tom Howard, who is chairman of the Carrig Navarre uh, Community Council, who really find themselves in a bit of a pickle that their treatment plant has reached capacity. And Irish Water saying, "We're not even going to come and look at you until 2028." You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I want to go to the phone lines because Evelyn McCarthy from the Kilmichael Bar in Bandon joins me because along with her husband, Jur, they found a wad of cash and they are desperate to try to get it back to its rightful owner. Good morning to you, Evelyn. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, this was a fine wad of cash, a little over a thousand euro, we reckon. Tell me what happened. You were doing some shopping in the in Lichine's house, in the charity shop. That's right, in Skibreen. We were looking for a two-seater couch. Uh, we were downsizing from a three-seater to a two-seater for our kitchen. Okay. And um, we, we were looking. With, my husband went down one side of the aisle, I went down the other. And as he was coming back up, he was set down a black leather couch. And on the armrest was this wad of money, wrapped in elastic bands. Um, so he had this to be, he said, what do we do? So we said, we take it into the owner of the shop, uh, Mick Kearns, who runs the, shop, the charity shop there. Know him well, yeah. Yeah, Mick uh, had us count the money. He put it, placed it in an envelope and handed it back to us for safekeeping. Now, we have it, but we lodged it for our local bank, because I said, I didn't want to have it around the bar, because the bar is closed. Yeah. And um, it's there for when the rightful owner turns up. We'll, we'll withdraw the money and be glad to give it back to them, you know. Now, what? who do you believe owns this money? Uh, well, we're thinking it's an elderly man that might have saved up his money or had left some pension and had accumulated, uh, probably within maybe to buy a couch or something and lost it out of his pocket. He has, I reckon, because it's off on Facebook, I don't think he'd be into Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he'd, he'd be the paper or the local radio station that he might be tuned into. Yeah, and he's un- he knows he's lost this wad of cash, but unaware of where he lost it. Yeah, maybe. And so, so okay, so it definitely wasn't the person who donated the couch. It wasn't no. like that, because it would have been found way before that. And and when were you in? When did you fi- find it? So we just stayed two weeks. This stayed two weeks. Because after three o'clock in the evening. So, OK, on a Friday. So very possible that this, if it's a gentleman, was out doing some shopping, looking for some furniture maybe on the Friday, sat down on the seat, and as you say, the wad of money could have fallen out of his pocket, which Correct. happens, very easily it happens. Men are always dropping money out of their, out of, out of their uh, pockets. OK, well, and, and it's over it's over €1,000, so we're not giving the denominations because that's no. the way we'll be able to work out and we'll be able to find out who the, per- who the person was. Because if it was a woman, we have it in our bags and in, in our purses. We, do, we have a tendency Cor- not... Correct, yeah, I say that. A woman always has everything by the kitchen sink in her bag. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Camille, you're still closed. We are. We're hoping to open the 5th of July. Yeah, but like that, it's very hard to know, you know, with this new Delta variant that's going around. Yeah. And it seems to be very prevalent in Bandon, I believe, at the moment. I just heard that last night. Well, I, I see, I sometimes, when I hear rumours like that, I, because there's only been three cases of the Delta variant identified for Cork. 
Right. So I don't, you know, it's not, you know, because I know people, I, I heard another area where it's, oh, it's meant to be a lick it off the streets. I think people get, get very nervous about it. But the good news is the vaccines are working. So that's, that's, that's yeah, where we that, need to be. That, yeah, thank God for that. You know? Yeah. And of course, you can't do outdoor dining, outdoor drinking. We have a very small area, so it wouldn't really be feasible for us to do that, Patricia. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we'll open the fifth and they can have indoor and outdoor then, you know. Yeah, and it's all looking good. I mean, it was very positive yesterday. We're all on track for the 5th of July. Come here, did you buy the couch in the end? No, we bought one from their, their Clonakilty shop in the end. <laughs> well done. They're, they're fantastic, those the Lachine's shops are. You get great bargains as well, don't you? Fantastic yeah, items. And, you know, like it's for a good cause for suicide and mental it awareness. Is. Like everybody's talking about paying a house, but it's nice to get Lishing's house out there because it's because it's from Cork. Yeah, it is. Know? And they're looking after their own and that's what it's all about. <laughs> OK, right. I know you're heading on a bus, so I'll let you get away. Listen, Evelyn, a pleasure to talk to you and good you luck too. with the fifth. And please God, you will be reopened. And, it, and if you're ever down in Bandit, give us a well, We will there. indeed. We will okay. indeed. God bless. Thanks Take care. Bye bye. Uh, Evelyn McCarthy there. If that rings a bell, uh, you heard of somebody who lost a wad of uh, cash. Can you point them in the direction, please, of Lachine's? It would have been somebody that would have been in the Skibbereen store, as I say, two weeks ago today was when it was found. So more than likely it was on this day two weeks ago because we don't think it was sitting in the seat for very much longer. 1850-333-103 and uh, people saying how fantastic Evelyn and her husband, Jerry, is how honest they were. Yeah, you could have picked up the wallet. They could have picked up the wallet of cash and walked away and said absolutely nothing. But that kind of honesty, I think, always comes back to you, doesn't it? It always karma I think is great I think karma works in reverse as well when you do something good I think that goodness and that kindness always comes back to people now we were talking about speed limits and how we all have the opportunity now across Cork County to if, if you live in an area and you think the speed limit is too fast we have an opportunity with the speed limit review which got about six weeks to get in your submissions into Cork County Council somebody sent in a text just at the end of my uh, interview in the last hour to say uh, Patricia something needs to be done about Kenny's cross in Castle Lyons. It is a killer. And lo and behold, actually, on this week's Avondu newspaper, there is a piece about Kenny's Cross in uh, Castle Lyons and uh, safety issues at Kenny's Cross and witness from the Avondu are understood to be ongoing for quite some time. But there's been a renewed call for action about this cross because there was an accident only last week and it resulted in a local man being hospitalised. Now, thankfully, he's understood to be making a good recovery. But a permanent solution is what is needed for Kenny's Cross because this is now this is a junction where lives have been lost when we were talking about speed vans being put out in areas where people have been killed on our roads well Kenny's Cross and Castle Lines is an area that sadly has uh, seen death so we might look into that a little bit more and see what, what needs to be done and I don't know if it's anything to do with is it just the speed on that area that we need people to slow down or what can be done what sort of remedial work can be done to make that particular cross uh, safer 1850-333-103 and thank you for the listener uh, texting us in about that now here's one that came into us in the last hour by text and I don't know if this is happening in many other restaurants and gastropubs and outlets that are serving food but a listener said I was very disappointed last Sunday to go out for lunch now we're not mentioning the restaurant it was just just to say it's in the, the North Cork area the food was fab the staff were fab but the food was presented in takeaway containers the coffee arrived in takeaway cups and the trifle arrived in a takeaway cup. 
very disappointing, especially as the cost was exactly the same as it was before the pandemic. And it was our first lunch out with my elderly parents and didn't like the idea that it was presented in takeaway containers. Now, I I dined out last week when I was on my uh, staycation and I didn't have takeaway cups. But then I was thinking all we did all of our eating at the hotels that we were staying in. So I suppose that's a little bit different. So I don't know. I'm. Do I take it from the restaurant point of view that they're doing it to cut down on costs with washing up because if it's takeaway containers they just literally scoop them up off the table and they all go straight in, into the bin. I don't know if it's anything to do with COVID because I certainly didn't see any recommendations from Fault Ireland when they have and they have very detailed recommendations and guidelines as to what businesses were to do when, when they reopened for outdoor dining. So I don't think it's anything to do with COVID is the reason for the takeaway containers. I'm assuming it's probably got to do with that they don't have to employ as many staff if they don't need to have washing up uh, staff. But I'm just putting it out there to see are there many other places that have reopened restaurants and gastro bars and you know coffee shops or whatever? Are many? Now, now, um, uh, we're not talking about people that always used to take away containers. We're talking about establishments where you would always have got your proper cups, saucers, and plates and knives and forks to suddenly going to take away containers since they have reopened. If anybody has a view on that, interested to hear from you, 1850 333 103. And Tom has responded to Marion, the listener I spoke about earlier, who has a brother and a sister-in-law and three teenage children who have a trip planned to come to Cork in July. They're coming for practically the whole of July. They're coming for three weeks from the start of July. The ferry is booked but Marion's husband isn't happy about it because the brother and the sister are not fully vaccinated but the three teenage children are not fully vaccinated and Marion's husband's causing huge arguments in the house because Marion's husband feels that Marion needs to get on the phone and say to the brother, it isn't appropriate for you to travel at the moment because of the Delta variant in the UK and they're living in an area of London where there is a lot of the Delta variant. So, bit, you know, there's a bit of anxiety going on about it. Tom says, I think that Marion's husband is dead right, hard and all as it is. But my wife, we're in a similar situation. My wife is English and we go over every single year. We do it the opposite. We travel to the UK to go on holidays there. But obviously since COVID struck, we haven't been able to travel to the UK. We were planning on going this year, but we've now made the decision not to travel. My wife hasn't seen any of her family now in two years since we were last over there. So my advice to that family would be to hold off and she won't regret it if she does hold off. But that it's, it will be Marion will need to make the call to the brother to say, look, there are concerns over here about the Delta variant in the UK. Maybe you should be cancelling uh, your trip and I wonder could you even could they even cancel it and maybe have it later on in the year but I suppose they can't do it later on in the year because if it's three teenage children they're all going to uh, school but maybe they could come over during a, a midterm break or Christmas I don't know but yeah but that, that's Tom anyway and he's and, and I take it there's a number of other people listening to the programme who are originally from England and who, who were used to go every single summer without fail will be travelling over and back uh, to visit family and there are other families as well I think in the predicament that Marion finds herself in we have so I think all of us nearly there's very few families in Ireland that don't have some kind of relatives living in England and that tradition of all was coming back in the summer months to visit home and to visit all the family members. There's a lot of families in the same 
predicament and trying to make that decision do they travel or do they not we know that we had Tony Houlihan yesterday saying to us here not to travel and particularly unvaccinated people he made the point that unvaccinated people shouldn't be travelling to the UK and they're also looking at recommendations about what to do about Northern Ireland and they're going to be speaking he'll be speaking with his counterparts in Northern Ireland uh, today because they're keeping a very close eye because unfortunately the Delta uh, variant is in the north uh, as well. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs a hotel receptionist is wanted that's for Longueville House outside of Mallow while Cavan is of Charleville they have vacancies for fully qualified experienced motor technicians at both their Charleville and Mallow branches they're also looking for a vehicle body repair technician that's for their body shop facility which is based in uh, Charleville a playgroup manager slash leader is wanted for two, 22 and a half hours per week in Reiner Screener Applicants must have a minimum level 6 QQI qualification. And Carebright, they are recruiting home care assistants in the North Cork area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie. A mental health programme at the National Learning Network in Bantry has been selected by the World Health Organisation as one of just 25 programmes worldwide for inclusion in a new initiative to promote person-centred and rights-based approaches to community mental health services. To outline more about the programme, I'm joined by Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy, who is part of the management team at the National Learning Network in Bantry. Good morning to you, Patrick, and you're welcome to the programme. Good morning, Patricia. It's good to talk to you. I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you keeping? I'm keeping well, thank you. Congratulations, by the way, because this is a phenomenal achievement uh, for the network. And I need to point out, it's the only programme that has been selected from uh, Ireland. Can you just talk to me about how that came about, the link with the World Health Organisation? Sure, Patricia. I suppose we got a call out of the blue, I suppose, about a year ago, um, looking for more information on the programme. They had, I suppose, they were, about three years ago, they started uh, this initiative to look at mental health um, uh, globally and how services were delivered globally um, to try and set a kind of a a signposting uh, document to highlight good practice in mental health service provision internationally to, I suppose, inform other um, services around the world as to what they could do to improve their services or if they were starting up services. Um, So we got a call out of the blue from them and to engage with them. I think they started off that it desktop research, uh, looking at keywords and so on and so forth, and they identified something like 100 services around the world um, and then uh, they um, I suppose did more in-depth research into those 100 services and, and, and condensed that down to the 25 that appeared in the report subsequently under seven different headings um, re- ranging from we're in the community outreach mental health services but they've, they've also done, um, they have seven teams mental health crisis services, hospital based mental health services so there's seven teams in different types of services um, uh, in the mental health area. And okay so I I suppose it's, it's only right and proper now that we talk about your programme. It's the yeah. Home Focus programme. That's right. Uh, yeah. Outline how it works. 
Well, I suppose it started back as far back as 2005, I suppose. Um, I was a new manager here in Inalin at the time, and I was getting referrals from mental health services uh, to our more traditional services, which is rehabilitative training and vocational training. But people were coming, trying, and they weren't able to sustain it. The, the, the link to you know, the 30-hour week, the more structured days didn't suit them, so I was kind of scratching my head, and I approached... Um, mental health services about at the time and we came up with this project which we uh, submitted to a, an innovative fund at the time called Enhancing Disability Services uh, run by the Department of Justice, Equality, Law Reform and Pubble and lo and behold we were successful. It was trialled over a two-year period and a report done by UCC which I suppose gave it eff- efficacy that it was working and uh, the HSE then subsequently mainstreamed it so it's, it's a very close working relationship with mental health services here in West Cork and uh, that brought about this project. Um, so it, it, it's a team um, of of, um, of different um, holistic, uh, I suppose, different inputs from uh, different people. Um, so we have a team of five. We have, um, you know, rehabilitative training instructors. We have a community mental health nurse. We have a recovery advocate, um, a development advocate, and um, we have a recovery, recovery support worker. So it is a kind of a holistic team that kind of brings different elements of expertise to bear on delivering a service to people in their homes and communities. Um, and it's very closely aligned with uh, West Cork Mental Health Services, so it's it's really an adjunct to that um, in the overall scheme of delivering mental health services in West Cork. And is there a belief that too many people are admitted to high support psychiatric units? That's I suppose that is the trust of of the World Health Organization's document that in 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 the first instance you really need to look at community based services and of course rights based services. So choice and rights based services is what they are highlighting in their document. Um, like it's it, it's it's based on like it's um, the the title is um, a rights based approaches um, to promoting person centred and rights based approaches to mental health services. So putting the person at the centre of everything and giving them the choice as to what they feel is the best um, service that they would like to to, to um, receive. Basically, I guess that's the trust of the report. Yeah, itself. and is it much harder for people in rural areas to access good mental health supports? It is absolutely. I suppose you know there's a lot of things when it comes to rural uh, situations, and and that's part of why they highlighted our program as well, is because it's in a very rural, um, depopulated, um, large geographical area with poor kind of transport infrastructure. Um, so you have a lot of people living out in remote areas who I suppose find it hard to get into um, into their into services, but also I suppose um, are quite isolated, which in itself is 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 not good for your mental health at all you know so that 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 um issue is very much i suppose um well it is very much prevalent in rural areas but also in, in urban areas but it, you know the rural areas bring in a lot of um, complications to the whole situation as well and when I was reading up about this programme yesterday, the one thing that struck me was, you know, the fact that it is care in the community. A programme like this, uh, surely, Patrick, really helps to reduce the stigma that's uh, out there around mental health. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in in West Cork, we've been, we've been quite, um, I suppose, very, very... Um, adamant about trying to reduce stigma um, we have a lot of innovative programs running here in West Cork like the Wellbeing Network and so on um, and they're all I suppose uh, um, focused at trying to dispel the myth that um, and dispel the stigma that's attached to, to having a mental health issue because um, you know everyone at some stage of their life we go through ups and downs and um, it's just how you deal with it at the time and how you seek help and seek support at that time and not being afraid to reach out 
Um, and I think that's very, I suppose, and I, I, I suppose in some ways, if, if COVID has, um, has, if there's a bright side to COVID, it has seemingly um, brought a lot of people out to talk about their mental health yeah, issues. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that whole thing yeah. during COVID, I mean, people who who would openly admit that they never, for example, suffer from anxiety mm. before suddenly realised that they were, ba- you know, battling with anxiety and that whole thing about it's OK to say I'm not OK. Absolutely, absolutely. But when, you say, but, but when you say that, then you need people there who can help you. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah you need the services to go to seek that out but I think that is developing and it's it, it's it's growing in Ireland you know um, there's a lot of very very good services out there who will at a time when you're lowest or when a time when you need help will step into the breach and, and, and give you that that assistance at that time so I think that is improving okay. it's, a, it's a wonderful wonderful initiative mm. stay there because I want to bring no in problem. Caroline sure. Hayes because Caroline actually uh, works with the with the home focus team uh, good morning to Caroline good morning Patricia now can you outline what is your role within the home focus team so within the team, my title, I suppose, is a recovery and development advocate. The reason I have that role is that's the peer-informed role on the team. So I would have my own experience of mental health challenges, dealing with the mental health services. So, you know, that, yeah. that's... So, yeah. reason and, and this is again another one of the keys to this uh, program the fact that so many and some of the team members uh, have lived experience so I take it that helps uh, Caroline when you're sitting down with somebody you can certainly empathise with somebody and, and people will perhaps identify with you then when you share with them what you've been through Yeah absolutely I think it does create that empathy on a stronger basis, I think when you're with someone who's recovering from a mental health challenge, when they can see that they're working with a team that has a person or persons on that team who've been through a similar experience and seem to be doing well, are working, are functioning in their community, within their family unit or whatever, that's a very powerful thing to bring to somebody. And this help and support in the community rather than going into, you know, the high support psychiatric units. I take it that's something you're very much in favour of. I am very much in favour of that. I think it is more relatable for people. It encourages them to find their own pathway. You know, we all know any admission into hospital is a disruption. Mm. It's, it's, it's a pause in your usual life. Now, it might be necessary, and I'm not saying that it would never be necessary, but if you can be supported or encouraged to manage your own experiences in your own environment, that has to be, for me personally, a far more recovery-orientated approach, allowing people to find their own pathway. With their own community and family around them. Yeah, and would you be a great advocate for counselling? Yes, I am. So the reason I even got into this kind of work, I suppose, is whilst going through my own counselling, a course had been developed in UCC, Mental Health in the Community, and my counsellor kind of suggested to me that it might be something that I would work well with, and I did. I found it very powerful. I think the educational approach was really helpful to me alongside my counselling, and I think the home focus team, the fact that we, we, um, we're we an education programme, 
I think that approach can be really, really helpful for yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. I was interested to hear, I think you said it to John Paul earlier, that learning where to talk about mental health is another big issue. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I suppose I've, I've learned in my time with the team, I'm only here a few years, that it's not always right for me to say when I'm working with someone, particularly in the early stages, that I've had my own experience of mental health difficulties, of being involved with the services, because they can find that too challenging. Um, I've also learned in my own community that sometimes people, it can stop a conversation. Mm. But then we go back to what you were talking to, Pat, stigma. You know, it is reducing. We are getting far more open in our conversations about mental health. But it is still present, and self-stigma is a difficult thing to overcome. And the pandemic has highlighted a lot of issues, hasn't it, around mental health? I mean, how how did you manage during the pandemic? Well, as a team working, obviously there was, there was a time during the pandemic where we couldn't meet people because restrictions didn't permit that. Yeah. But, you know, we got innovative. We looked at technology. We telephoned, WhatsApp, Microsoft Teams, whatever worked. You know, different things with different in- individuals. And also we have the situation here in many areas in West Cork where they don't have access to Wi-Fi. Yeah, 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 that's a reality. That's a reality. And it is a reality. So we just, we got creative. We did the best we could. And as soon as we could get out and meet with people again, that's what we did. Outdoor spaces. We have big umbrellas. You know, there's no such thing as bad weather, bad clothes. (laughs) Well said. Well well said. How many people, uh, Caroline, do you work with at the Home Focus team? So in general, the maximum capacity is 34 at any one time. But at the moment, we're, we're not quite full, you know, that there is a little bit of room for referrals. But, you know, we normally run above two-thirds capacity. OK, somebody's asked the obvious question, which I should have asked at the, at the start. How does somebody get referred to you, Caroline? So to get referred to work with the Home Focus team, there has to be an active user of the West Cork Mental Health Services. They have to be involved with them. Okay. They can then, through their community mental health nurse or at an outpatient clinic appointment, ask to be referred to the Home Focus team. And obviously the mental health team will then discuss in more detail with that individual what it is we do and they'll then put in a referral in place if they feel it's appropriate. Okay, well done. It's a, it's a fantastic, it really is a fantastic uh, programme. What does it mean to be recognised by the World Health Organisation, Caroline? I think I, what it means is that there's a real shift now in understanding what is a good mental health service, that the person must be at the centre of the service provision, that their rights must be respected, that they must have choice, and, you know, we've seen there the sharing division document that was produced last year. That is the ideal. You know, there's an acknowledgement within the HSE and service provision that that is the ideal. But I think the World Health Organization shifting not away from the medical model, but just encompassing all the other things that are needed for individuals. Yeah. It's a really powerful thing.
Yeah, that it doesn't always have to be the medical model. I think for many, many years, I think that's what we did wrong with mental health. Everything was pushed towards the uh, medical uh, model and you're, you're, you're very much proving that it doesn't always have to be that way. Listen, continue. Good luck, uh, Caroline, to you and the rest of the gang at the, at the Home Focus team. And um, Patrick, would you like to see more pro- projects like this one? developed in other parts of the country absolutely um i suppose that is the idea of the of the document uh, patricia is 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 to set out you know 25 projects of good practice that others can look at um and peel back the layers and see if it's something that they can implement in their own services that's the idea so yes no it doesn't have to be identical to what we do but i think it's the principles around how we approach services what's important um and again like we're we're, we're, we're uh, leafing through the other 24 projects to see what we can learn from them as well as a service provider here in West Cork. And I think that is the trust of what the World Health Organization are trying to do, is to try and put out 25 projects. They're not perfect, but they're, 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 they're based on very good principles and very good uh, approaches. And I suppose they're, putting them on, they're put, shining a light on them to allow others to look at them and uh, see if they can implement their, that type of a, a service in, 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 their, in, their, in their own um, areas and okay. so on. So, yeah, I think it would be good. So I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's a fundamental sea change, I think, for the World Health Organization um, to take this approach. And obviously with the staff of the World Health Organization on it, I think a lot of countries and a lot of services will sit up and take notice and say, look, these are good services. Uh, they're not perfect, but they're good services yeah, that maybe you can look at and try and uh, adopt. It lends adapt. amazing credibility to have the mm. World Health Organization yeah, uh, back in your country. It's, it's supposed to reaffirms for us, you know, you're always second-guessing yourself that, OK, others think that what we're doing is, is good as well, yeah, you know, and that, yeah. that's really reaffirming. OK, Councillor Deirdre Kelly says huge credit must go to Councillor uh, Patrick Gerrard Murphy who's put a huge amount of work into the West Cork Mental Health uh, Programme. He has indeed. Listen, well done. Uh, and thank you for that, uh, Pat, and thanks for joining us on thank the programme this morning. And I suppose we are kind of reaching out to our policymakers, uh, trying to get them to... Um, to leaf through this and see if we can if we can influence national policy and national service provision I suppose that's the other key key element WHO okay. is to use us as a as a kind of a, a pushing to, to push it out uh, from policy and a, a national perspective as well. Okay, listen, we'll leave it there. Thanks, Thank you for Patricia, that. Appreciate the uh, bye bye, Councillor Patrick Gerard uh, Murphy, and also joining us on the line was Caroline Hayes, who is part of the Home Focus uh, team, and it is based in West Cork. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to zero eight six two one zero three one zero three. Court today on C one zero three. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. As we're all being encouraged to staycation this summer, we are today starting a new feature on the programme whereby every Friday we'll give you suggestions for places across the city and county of Cork that you might consider a visit to, maybe as part of your holiday plans or as a day out for all the family. And they were kicking it off this morning by heading to the Clonakilty Model Railway Village and joining me to discuss what's on offer there is the manager, Kim McNamara. Good morning to you, Kim. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome. I suppose take me back first to the history of how the model railway village came about. So we're open 27 years this uh, next month and we opened up the model village as a tourist attraction in Clonakilty, which showed West Cork in miniature with handmade, handmade towns and the model trains which move around or used to travel around the West Cork towns um, shown in miniature. 
and that's how we started with just one small town and a couple of trains. And the detail is absolutely incredible. And I remember when you first opened in uh, 1994, I remember going and at the time it was only Clonakilty, wasn't it? That's right. That's right. And we expanded then every couple of years. It's taken us about two years to make every new town as they're all handmade. And so now we have, uh, in addition to Clonakilty, we have uh, Kinsale, Bandon and Manway. And then in 2004, we introduced our little choo-choo train ride around the town. And where are where are the models produced? They're made on site. We had um, workshops here and there was, um, under a FOSS scheme, uh, going back along, uh, the models were made here by trainees and then by craftsmen as well. So we still have uh, a workshop here where we repair the models and make new ones. And on a normal year, how many visitors? Uh, when I say normal, I mean yes. outside a pandemic. <laughs> how, how many visitors would you attract? About 40,000 a year. Is it? Yeah. 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 And is that made up of overseas, local, national? What? A bit of everything. Now, we would have a big, big pull from the, the county and Munster, obviously. But people coming down to West Cork from all over the country, um, they'd come into Clon or they'd you know, be staying locally in the, in the West Cork area. Uh, since the Wild Atlantic Way started, obviously, that's been a great help for us as well because we're along the route. And, yeah, people just come down on day trips and if they're staying in the location as well. Now, obviously, children adore it, but it's one of those attractions that from right from the very smally right up to granny, everybody mm. just loves it, isn't it? Well, it has many, it hits many buttons because you have the nostalgia for the grannies and the, gran- yeah, the, yeah. the, the people who remember travelling by train, either steam or, you know, on the West Cork line. Then you have parents who are bringing in their children. The children feel like giants as they're walking mm. around and the parents are delighted that the children are getting something back because you have little storyboards telling you histories as you go around. So it's a bit for everyone. It's not just everything in miniature to look at. You can get a bit of uh, knowledge as well. Are you fully reopened to the public now? We more or less are. We have a one-way system in place and an online booking, which you can get through our website, modelvillage.ie. Our choo-choo will be running properly, hopefully in early July. We've we've had the local school groups in this week on their little bubbles coming in on the train great. ride, and we've had a great reaction from them. It's got we've got the positive feedback from all these lovely children squealing in delight. <laughs> uh, so that's been great. And then the only thing we don't have open is the indoor area, the indoor play area, and the exhibit because obviously they're still indoors. You know. And do you expect them to reopen as restrictions uh, ease? Or? As they ease, uh, but we will do do it with an abundance of caution, as they say. Yeah, yeah. But as more and more people get vaccinated, yeah, we're, start, we're starting to get back to normal. But you must book. There's no walk-ins. You can walk in. If, oh, you, if can? you can't, if you haven't, if you can't book online and you're just passing by the door, you can you can come to the ticket office. We just take your contact details and you can you can come in. Now there might be a couple of minutes delay if there's other people ahead of you, just to keep everyone socially distanced. But obviously, yes, if you're passing and you want to pop in, we won't say no to you. Okay, but ideally, book your tickets, Model Village. You know your time, you're arriving, yeah. and you know when you're you're coming through the door, so you can plan your day around that. Then. Okay. Somebody wants to know: Is the Model Railway Village accessible for wheelchair users? Totally, totally. We we're wheel, wheel friendly all about and our in, in and out of the model village in, on the train when it'll be running again, the play area, all, every, all, all 
access all areas, as they say. Yeah, you've always been strong on that one. And of course, when you speak at Clannacilty, people speak about it being the first autism friendly town. Mm. You're very much autism friendly as well. We are because we're we're low tech, as you'd call it. Um, there's there are sounds and 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 things for the senses, but because we're outside, uh, it's easy to walk around. You can do it at your own pace. And uh, the last year or two, we have a sensory garden in our Garden of Remembrance just in the car park area. So you can just park there and go into that if you want to do that before or after as well. Yeah, well done, well done. I know I was talking to somebody a few years ago who was a a child on the autism spectrum and, Mm. and was just glowing because families who have a child with autism are very limited Yes. In where they can go. So the Model Railway Village uh, certainly is, is a place where people can, uh, can go. And, and the cost of the tickets? Cost of the tickets for an adult, it's nine euros. Uh, ch- children are six, uh, sorry, five fifty. Under threes are free of charge. And we do uh, an offer for carers who are with special needs children who are free of charge. Ah, as well. well done. Well done. You're a great, you're a fantastic bunch. Uh, you really are. Okay, and the, is the sun shining today? The sun is shining down it? here. Yeah. We've had a school group. They've, they've had fun. They've just gone for their little lunch in the garden next door and they're going back to school on the train and they'll wave through, uh, they wave at everyone as they go through the town, hopefully. The, the <laughs> lockdown was tough on you all, Kim. It's tough on everyone, but we, we survived and we've come through. We, we lost some staff, obviously as everyone else did but we're trying to get some back and you know uh, we're, we're working through it we're a little bit ragged around the edges but we're tidying up again okay. <laughs> life is returning to normal because the choo-choo train is back up and running it'll be back up and yeah. running early early July early July yeah. early July yeah. alright listen continue good luck uh, to everybody so involved in the model village and thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us thanks very much uh, good morning to you that is Kim McNamara uh, the manager and as I say every Friday we'll feature just somewhere or it has to be within Cork City and County so if you've got a suggestion of some place perhaps you went to yourself ideally some place that was suitable for all of the family uh, let us know your suggestions and we'll get on to the to whoever's involved and see if they'll join us uh, for a little bit of a, a chat just to give suggestions where people can go for a day out because it's all about staycationing this year You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Marion Kildallery was on to us earlier this morning to say she got a bit of a fright this morning. Her mobile phone rang and when she picked it up uh, it was somebody claiming to be from the Gardaí looking for her records. Uh, it was from an 086 number then she ended up getting she realised then very quickly that it was a scam call but she got a bit of a fright when she listened to what was being said to her on the phone first. She got two of them in the space of 30 minutes. The first was at 10am and then she got a second one at 10.30. I don't know what kind of a phone you have. Mary, if you have a smartphone tried to block uh, the number and then John Paul tells me throughout the morning he's been inundated with people calling saying that they are receiving these scam calls claiming to be from Angar the Siakona and looking for you to press one to engage with these scam artists. And this is the very same call that we spoke about earlier in the week and I know I particularly spoke about it yesterday because the Gardaí yesterday actually issued a warning to the public over these this phone scam. Now the Gardaí initially said that the calls were coming from an 087 number but I have to say listeners contacting us have told us they're coming from 086. We've had other people saying it came from an 083 number but it all comes from what looks like and is an Irish mobile phone number that obviously then is people thinking oh it must be, this must be uh, okay. With the the Gardaí are getting nationwide reports about these automated calls. Dublin was particularly targeted earlier in the week, but I don't think there is a place in the country. 
anywhere in the country that people are not getting reports of these calls. And my own mother-in-law yesterday, bless her heart, rang me from Tipperary to say that she got one of those calls. She was quick enough, just didn't engage and just hung up immediately. What happens is you you pick up, your, your phone rings. It looks like it's a genuine Irish mobile phone number you answer it and it's a pre-recorded message and it basically is telling you that you're being investigated by the Gardaí in relation to suspicious activity which is linked to your PPS number and then they go on to say in order to rectify the situation they ask you to press 1 to speak to somebody in relation to the to the matter and of course some people might get a bit spooked and think oh god it's the Gardaí I better engage with them and I better talk with them but what they're trying to do is they are trying to get your PPS number from you. They don't have your PPS number but that's what they're trying to do. So the Gardaí are saying if you get one of these calls do not engage with the caller because we do know of people who have pressed innocently pressed one believing it was genuinely a member from Gardaí she called So don't engage with the call. Don't return the call. Don't follow any of the automated uh, instructions. And then obviously if you do end up speaking to one of these scam artists do not disclose any personal or any financial information. Hang up as soon as you can and if you have a smartphone and you're able to block the number, please block it. Now I will say to you when people block the number, a little bit like uh, Mary from Kildallery, they'll use another number to ring you again. You might get a few of these calls but just do not engage uh, uh, with them. And the Gardaí in their press release this week are saying, look, that these scam scammers are changing their stories and their methods but they say the goal is always the same. They're trying to access your sensitive information and ultimately they're trying to get their hands on your money. And Gardaí again saying, if you believe you've been a victim to one of these scams, to contact your financial institution and to report the matter to the local Gardaí. And we know because we've, we've highlighted it on this programme, we have unfortunately had some people in the county areas who have been including a woman from North Cork only last week who ended up unfortunately giving out all of the wrong information to one of these scam artists and within minutes three and a half thousand euro was taken out of her bank account. So please just be very, very careful. But as I say, whatever it is today, there seems to be a huge amount of them because John Paul says every second call he's getting this morning are from, from this one. It's a pre it's it's very obviously a recorded message. So if you hear anybody saying that they're the Gardaí, they are not uh, the Gardaí. Anne says, Hi Patricia, I got two of those scam calls. Mine did come from an 087 number. It was on Tuesday last. I hung up immediately. Hi Patricia, I got one of those calls a few weeks ago telling me I was being investigated for money laundry. I hung up straight away because guess what? I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK, thank you for that. OK, but just to let people know, they're, they're, they seem to be out uh, on a vengeance uh, today. And I know people get a bit spooked about how do they get my mobile phone number? They're computer generated. I mean, they, they, have a, they have computer systems. These are intelligent guys. That's what kills me about these scam artists. If only they would use that intelligence, the intelligence that they need to set up these scams, if only they'd use it to good rather than to bad. So the numbers are all computer ge- generated. They, they might end up, the computer might end up dialing out a thousand numbers and it's a computer is doing it isn't somebody physically typing out your number they might dial a thousand numbers and none of them will be an actual phone number and then the 1001 will be a number that they get through to that's that's it but it's all done by uh, computer so just look after yourselves just be, be mindful of every single call that you get to your mobile phone don't know if they if they operate through landlines it seems to be predominantly through mobile phones if it's a number that's not in your contacts then take the advice that I've been doing now for for 
the last couple of years, I think, I don't answer any call that's not in my contact list. And if it's somebody who is genuinely trying to get through to me and somebody who has a legitimate reason for having my telephone number, then they leave a message and I'll be able to decide whether I want to call them back or not. I think that's the best piece of advice for everyone to take at the moment. Eileen says, Hi Patricia, would you give a big shout out please to the Care of the Aged Charity Shop on Main Street in Bantry. Today and tomorrow they are having a two-day sale at the shop fantastic bargains and we always donate all of our money to local charities yeah they're the care of the aged we've got some great charity shops and you can get great bargains as well inside those uh, charity shops thank you for that Eileen and hi to everyone in the care of the aged charity shop on Main Street in Bantry huge bargains to be had today and tomorrow with their two day sale and someone else says Patricia would you give a mention to the drive-in bingo it's in Aragon Community Field next Sunday 3 o'clock under strict COVID-19 guidelines that's come in from Tom Uh, good luck to everybody taking part there now a couple of people with travel issues and people thinking about about travelling John in Blarney I think has raised a good issue he says "Can, can I ask you please What would happen while on holidays in France with three children, both parents fully vaccinated, a child tests positive two days before returning home on the ferry to Cork? What would happen there? Because as we know, anyone vaccinated and certainly unvaccinated people must get PCR tests three days before they're either boarding a plane or boarding a ferry. I checked it out. And on one travel website, I saw that anyone who is travelling and if you test positive, you'll have to find a place to stay abroad until you recover. Some hotels might allow you to extend your stay in quarantine on their property, but you'd have to check. Not all of the hotels might be happy about you doing that. But obviously, you'll have to pay for it. They're not going to put you up for for a fortnight. And will that happen? Of course it will. Of course you're going to get cases, particularly if you travel to an area that might end up having an outbreak of COVID-19 while you're on holidays. The parents, as John said, fully vaccinated. So they're going to be okay. They're not going to pick it up, but there's nothing to stop one of the children getting it. And as far as I know, I mean, if you go on, I was on the Dublin the DAA, the Dublin Airport website, and you know they're saying that everyone who who wants to board a plane has to have a, has to have a PCR test, and of course you have to have a negative PCR test. So I'm assuming that all airlines and ferries are the same. They won't allow you on unless you can prove everyone in your party has a negative test. So yes, it's a bit of a risk. I think if you do decide to travel, it's a bit of a risk if you're travelling with children who are not vaccinated. There's also a huge cost involved because you're going to have to. PCR tests before you travel and PCR tests before you leave to come back from the holiday. And some of those PCR tests, they kind of, they start from around 100 to 120 euro. If you've got three children, it's going to put a huge, huge expense on top of a holiday. And I think it's one of the reasons that a lot of people, while we know international travel is going to start from the 19th of July, but I think people travelling with children are really going to sit down and have to think about that exact dilemma that John is saying, what happens if one of the children tests positive just as you're about to get back on the plane to come home? Now, they mightn't be sick in any way, but they have a COVID-19 positive diagnosis. I mean, would you, well, one of the one of the parents obviously has to remain in the country, wherever they are, and stay for two weeks until the child has a negative COVID test. There's a huge cost involved in that. And I mentioned earlier about Marion and the pickle she's in, about her brother and his wife and the three children wanting to travel from the UK to come over on their annual holiday. They come to Cork every year for three weeks 
And Marion's husband is just not happy with it because while the parents are vaccinated, the three teenage children are not. And also in Marion's house, they've got children that are unvaccinated and it's causing rows inside in the household. And actually, I haven't found anyone yet who has contacted us to say that let Marion's brother travel. Everyone's saying the same thing, that Marion's husband, who's against it, says Marion needs to pick up the phone and talk to her brother and say, look, we've with this variant and what's going on in England at the moment, it really isn't the right time for you to travel. Well, somebody else has contacted us. It says, hi, Patricia, listening to your show this morning and I would like your opinion on our family di- dilemma. We have a niece in the UK who's getting married in August and our sister, whose daughter is getting married, is being quite demanding and expects our family to travel to the UK to attend the wedding. Now, we have been vaccinated, but the younger cousins have not. And our sister lives in an area where the Delta variant is quite rampant. Now, we feel bad about the wedding, but we're also feeling bad bad about being obliged to go but it's the cost of the tests on top of accommodation of flights etc and again not knowing if we'll have to quarantine when we come back what do you think? We know our sister will take the news very badly if we don't attend God families and the family dynamics. Okay where are we at at the moment with regards to travelling to the UK? Remember the new the new restrictions came in about travelling to the UK. They only got announced uh, this week and it's in from now. Any Anyone travelling, any British traveller travelling to Ireland, so it will be the very same for this family when they travel back from the wedding. As of now, you're expected the, the home quarantine, unvaccinated people, the home quarantining has been upped from five days to ten days for unvaccinated people travelling from Britain. They will be required to get a negative, now they'll have to have a negative PCR test getting on the plane or the ferry first. Then when they come back into this country or on holidays into this uh, country, they have to home quarantine. They then have to get a negative PCR test on day five. They have to get another negative PCR test on day 10. And then on day 10, if that test is also negative, then they are free to end their home quarantine. But vaccinated travellers from Britain also have to quarantine for at least five days and also have to get a negative COVID test before they can leave where they are staying. So it's, you know, you're going to, if you do decide to go to the wedding, at the moment you'd be faced with that as well. Now the only thing is your wedding, the wedding, your niece's wedding is in uh, August and I know that the Transport Minister when he made these uh, announcements, he said it's from now until the interim, it's an interim period from now until July the 19th because July the 19th is when international travel resumes and the situation will be reviewed again next month so it could all change but as of now that's what you would be faced with that's what your family would be faced with and the younger cousins as you say the ones who are not vaccinated they're going to have to home quarantine uh, for for 10 days so it's it's a really, really tough one and and I can imagine your sister, her daughter's getting married and everything that's going on and the preparation and of course she wants to have all of her Irish family uh, with her but she's going to have to be a little bit understanding if our Irish government and you know, you, I would be picking up the phone and saying look, let's wait and see closer to the time but as of now we have our own Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan only yesterday saying to people do not travel and particularly unvaccinated people do not travel to the UK. So I'm wondering, do you need to start having the conversation and then wait and see 
closer to the time how the situation works out what's the situation going to be like here and what's the situation going to be like in the UK and I know that that is difficult because with having to book flights and accommodation but you really are in a bit of a pickle at the moment and my heart goes out to you particularly the way you said you you are the one that know we all know our sisters the rest don't we and you know that she's going to take it uh, really badly 1850 and just earlier when I spoke with the lovely Evelyn McCarthy of the Kilmichael Bar in Bandon and how honest Joseph and her husband were Jar when they were in Lichine's house the charity shop and they noticed that somebody had lost a wad of cash they think it probably fell out of somebody's pocket as they sat down to check out this double it was, I think it was a leather was it it was a double couch and obviously the money slipped out of somebody's pocket and they really want to get that money back to the person two weeks ago the money would have been uh, lost uh, Eileen says would um, Evelyn get onto the Southern Star a lot of West Cork people read the paper maybe she could, might be also able to get it announced at masses or any of the church services and well done to her says Eileen what an honest woman actually it's it's in today's Southern Star newspaper. There's a there's actually a lovely picture of Evelyn as well, and uh, the the same story that we spoke about. It's actually in uh, this week's Southern Star newspaper as well. So hopefully, I really really do hope that we get that money back to the rightful owner because that's exactly what Evelyn wants to do. To herself and her husband, so honest. They're so afraid of losing it as well. So they've popped the money into their own bank and it's there sitting, waiting for the owner to come forward. 1850-333-103, lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative. The perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. If you're in the Skibbereen area, you can pop into the Country Market in Abbey Struri Church Hall. It's on until half past one today. Every Friday, half eleven to half one. Lots of great produce, cakes, crafts, plants, chutneys and jam. Castle Bear Development Association Drive-In Bingo is at the east end of the pier tonight, half past seven. They have a jackpot there of €1,500. And Ballincollig Vintage Motor Club. They're holding a vintage car run. It's an aid of the Community Air Ambulance. It's happening next Sunday. They leave from Tesco in Balancholic and they will be leaving at half past one. And Castle Lines, Cooligown, Brishway Development are holding a golf classic on this day week, Friday the 25th of June at Fomoy Golf Club. Teams of three champagne scramble. For bookings, please contact Dan at 086-803-4771 or Paldrick at 87 3391212. Court today on C103 with Jean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. I'm getting loads of texts and WhatsApps in from people saying, got that, got those, got three of those guard the scam calls this morning. All of them came from an 087 number. It was 087, 289, and then four different numbers at the end. So they're using all different uh, numbers. But lots of people now are saying, yeah, 087. I got two of those calls this week and I got two of them last week. It very much sounds like a recorded message, says this texter. So I hung up straight away, didn't even listen to it. And that came in from an, oh, it was from an 087 number. And someone else actually gave me, it was an 087 number, 8614528 to be precise, says Fran. I got mine on at Wednesday. It's just it's so annoying to be constantly getting those uh, calls. So thank you, as I say, lots and lots of people 
uh, don't feel that special. If we, you, you, you kind of start to think, why am I not getting getting one of them? But there's so many of them around at the moment. Just be aware, please. Now, this week's Cork versus COVID looks at the increase in outdoor dining in the city. And our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, has been to uh, in the city centre to Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalised plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Speak with some of the restaurant owners as to how they are getting on. Thursday lunchtime and the Huguenot Quarter in Cork City is alive with the smell of food and the sound of chatter. The area, which includes French Church Street, Kerry's Lane and the Rory Gallagher Square, has been pedestrianised since the mid-80s and has always had an element of outdoor dining. But the pandemic has brought that to a new level, as Jeff Safer Hamidi of Koto Asian Restaurant explains. So we've now two kind of privacy kind of windbreakers on the sides because this street, the wind goes the right way down. Um, and, you know, we have our heaters, we have our canopy, the yeah. side, the windbreakers. So it's it's definitely a much bigger part of the business and it definitely will continue to be in the future. So um, it's great now that they kind of ease us into it a little bit with the outdoor because yeah. we went straight into indoor. Um, and it's, it's nice seeing it. You know, a buzz in the, in the streets, you know, there's a bit of life back in the city. People in Cork are embracing the outdoor dining experience and Ursula Hales of Amicus says it's been hugely positive for the city. It's brought back a much needed life to the city. Um, during lockdown, obviously, you know, with everything shut down, the city was a very, very different space. And I think now with things reopening, having the outdoor dining element just brings a vibrancy to the city that the city really, really needs. Also welcoming that vibrancy is Michael Ryan of Cockbull. It's been been a great buzz around. Um, a lot of people are just delighted to be out. So even if there is a bit of drizzle, they don't care, you know, and uh, the wind. So uh, you saw me fixing umbrellas a while ago. So, you know, that's, there's challenges to it. But it's like to have the staff back working, putting food on plates again. It's just an awesome feeling. And it's been... It's fantastic after all this length of time to actually be interacting with people again properly and not on the screen. As well as overcoming the challenges of the Irish weather, Aidan Duke of Duke's Coffee Company says outdoor space can be an issue. We all have tables, we we all have awnings, we all did outdoor dining forever. Um, But I guess we're, we're... 
every every square inch of, of free space we're putting tables now, you know, in a safe way. Um, it's challenging because part of the charm of the, of the Huguenot Quarter is these narrow, lovely streets. And if we overfill them with tables and stuff, there might be issues for pedestrians. Michael Ryan says the pandemic has forced them to make the most of their outdoor spaces. We've always had our outdoor spaces, but I suppose that since people can't go inside we've been able to enhance those spaces even more because they have to be outside and I think it, there's going to be a bit of a shift and mind shift with people that they'll want to stay outside now some parts you know while the weather is somewhat good but you can see a lot of places have put up new heaters parasols so there's a big effort put in that I think that we that people can stay out longer if they wish in different through the year as you can see from the buzz on the street people walking around you wouldn't believe this two years ago that this vibe could be here at lunchtime. Although it's a welcome relief to be serving customers again, restaurant owners like Ursula Hales are looking forward to having people inside again. We're limited with the space that we have here. We have a slight couple of extra tables just outside it. Obviously, we're very much looking forward to getting indoor um, reopened our outdoor space is nothing in comparison to the capacity that we have indoors but it certainly has been a, a great kickstart and a great way to give the city a boost. But while the customer numbers are not at peak capacity just yet Jeff Safer Hamidi says it's great to be able to do what they love again. It's all about the people and um, we were doing takeaway for a while like to keep all the staff the whole team involved but it's, it's not the same you know it was very quick you know here's your takeaway goodbye thanks very much <laughs> whereas this way you know you get to talk to people they're sitting down you know, there's the whole experience from start to finish. It's the, it's the whole rounded product. And Aidan Duke says praise must be given to Cork City Council. In fairness, they, it, they're so progressive and they're so open and they're so willing to embrace uh, the outdoor dining and experience. It's just not about dining. It's about, you know, the arts, the culture, just enjoying the city again, you know, and there's re- retail and, and personal care and beauty and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And, you know, I think, is there 17 streets pedestrianised now? So, I mean, it, it's brilliant. Well, there's certainly no takeaway cups. I could hear the cups clattering in the background there. Thanks to our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, and everyone who took part there from the Huguenot at quarter in the city. Dominic was on to say, Patricia, in relation to your earlier interview on speed limits with Anthony Barry, I didn't hear him mention a website except he said, go to Cork County Council. I've been on their website, want to send in a submission and I, I can't find where I send my submissions to. And actually, we've been scratching our heads as well, trying to find it here. The only thing we've worked out is that today, Cork County Council will publish an invitation for submissions from the general public so I imagine they just haven't issued the invitation yet we'll keep a close eye on it and uh, we'll update you uh, on that Dominic as soon as we can so have your submission ready and we'll let you know when and where you can uh, send it in and when I've been asking for suggestions if you went out went away somewhere did a day trip let us know so that we can pass it on to other listeners as well here's a, a lovely text in from a Killarney listener who puts in brackets a very loyal listener to the programme. Thank you for that. Hi Patricia, I went to Dursey Island crossing over on the cable car. Wonderful day out. I will do it again this summer. Afterwards, had delicious fish and chips from a nearby enterprise. It was absolutely great. Hope to do the Bull Rock trip later this summer. Yeah, we have so much here in Cork. Thank you for that and uh, we will welcome you back and welcome you from Killarney anytime at all. Uh, 1850-333-103. Liz says on people who are in a bit of a dilemma about travelling, she says, will people ever cop on and just simply stop 
travelling. What are people thinking of? Okay, going to take a quick break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And we are going to get some movie suggestions for us. Mark Malone joining us. Good afternoon, Mark. Okay, now you've taken a look at some movies for us. One is called Flashback and the other is called The Outpost. And we're going to start with a quick trailer from Flashback. I don't want to be like them. Locked in a prison. They forgot that they're in. What prison? Yes. Uh... I am sensing a lack of focus. You didn't keep in touch with Cindy at all after graduation? She hasn't even crossed my mind in 15 years. I do remember Cindy Williams. She just vanished. That was the time when that awful drug went round the school. Can't shake the feeling. Something bad happened to her. One night we were all in work. What does it do to you? back. We got to try to remember what happened to her that night. This is it. I swear it happened. Let's leave. Let's just go. I'm supposed to be here. sounds all a little bit creepy it's something that happened and they're adults and they've got to go back and work out what's happened it's not yeah, ex- well done exactly um, it's not exactly a barrel of laughs isn't it yeah. for this time on a Friday afternoon I can tell you <laughs> it's pretty much humour free really you know what I mean it's not an easy watch I'll give it that it stars Dylan O'Brien. I spoke about Dylan O'Brien some time ago. Um, he was in a film called Love and Monsters, and I, which I really, really loved. And I remember saying at the time, I said, this guy's going to be a big, big star because, you know, that particular performance in Love and Monsters, I said, it's a star-making performance. And here he is again, and he is so good in this movie because it's not an easy part to play either because he's in constant breakdown throughout the whole film. And he is just so good. And if I'm going to recommend it, I don't really, really want to talk about this one very much. I'd rather do the other one because the other one is much more interesting than this one uh, because um, it's not an easy easy watch it is rather dull and boring at times uh, certainly I thought the first 20 minutes I thought this is great I'm really really in lo- I'm loving the attitude of the film you know uh, but then it does kind of run out of steam and unfortunately it becomes rather tiresome uh, by the time you kind of get to the end so when we meet Dylan O'Brien he's a young man he's uh, really quite uh, successful in his life uh, but he keeps getting these kind of flashbacks these kind of um, uh, these, uh, these the, something is haunting him and we're trying to figure out what exactly it is because he keeps thinking back to when he was at school and then he has this kind of chance encounter with one of those lads that he used to hang around with in school. And then he starts having these nightmares about a particular night when he, this particular gentleman, and another boy and a girl called Cindy uh, decided to take a drug called Mercury. And um, she then disappears and they had no idea 
who or where she ended up. And so therefore, he kind of pretty much forgot about it, as did everybody. Uh, but then when he, uh, you know, when he re- reconnects with this uh, young man from his childhood, not so much his childhood, from, from his teenage years, sorry, in, in school, he is reminded of that night and he begins to think, well, what exactly happened on that night? What happened to Cindy? And so he decides then to uh, once again reconnect not only with this boy, but also um, what the other boy that was there on the night when they took this drug the night that uh, Cindy disappeared. And uh, so the way in which they do that is to once again reintroduce themselves to this to drug. incredible drug called Mercury, which might then kind of resurrect a kind of a subconscious kind of um, kind of uh, a story of the night once again and uh, and to know exactly and to find out what exactly happened to uh, Cindy. And so therefore, you know, the thing about it, the film is that there's an awful lot of drug taking going on here. There's an awful lot of kind of drug taking imagery, which I know people might find kind of difficulty with. And there's this kind of strange kind of psychedelic kind of imagery constantly throughout the whole film, which, as I say, initially was kind of interesting and I kind of liked it. But I did become very kind of, it did become very tiresome after a while, which is a bit of a shame. And I ended up it, it, in the end, it, it was a very, very difficult watch for me, apart from, as I say, Dylan O'Brien, who was uh, very, very good indeed. It's written and directed by uh, Christopher McBride. It's his second film. And um, it's unfortunately, the film doesn't live up to uh, Dylan O'Brien's kind okay, of star and, kind of quality. And without giving the story away, do we find out what happens? To well, Cindy? I'm not going to tell you that, yeah, but uh, okay. certainly, um, but the, the, certainly the story and the, the kind of the, the, the road to that uh, and the revelation uh, is is difficult. And I know that it's not going to be for everybody. And I know that people uh, won't particularly like it. But um, I, as I say, I liked about half it. But then okay. the second half of the it's film was dark. kind of difficult. It's, it is dark. It's, dark, it's dark, dark, as word. I say, it's pretty humor free. It's not an easy watch, uh, but I'd certainly recommend it anyway. Mark it out of 10? I'll give it six. Six out of 10. And it's called Flashback. Now, the next one is The Outpost. And this is based on a true story. And I have to say, I love anything that's based on a true story. This is Afghan Afghanistan. It's the Afghan War, yeah, yeah. and it's uh, it's um, it's about a group of soldiers, American soldiers, who uh, were in this camp. It was called Camp Keating, and uh, whoever decided to put the camp where it was obviously didn't know what they were doing because what they did was uh, they they're in Afghanistan. They decided to build this camp in a valley, basically, and so therefore the the, the valley is completely surrounded by hills, and so therefore they are constantly under attack uh, from uh, from rebels, and uh, the Taliban just every second day. From the vantage point of these hills, just opened fire on this camp. In fact, the camp became known by an analyst as Camp Custer, uh, which is uh, kind of ironic. And so, therefore, they're in here. They're constantly under fire. They then get hints that uh, there is possibly an attack uh, by uh, the Taliban to come, and it does happen. Four hundred Taliban <coughs> decide to attack the um, the camp, and so the film is basically about these uh, very very young son of soldiers, the average age of whom is only about twenty uh, twenty one. Yeah, they were very young. Yeah. They were, and in, in the end, this battle which happens uh, after the, the aftermath of the battle, uh, this is uh, one of the most decorated battles uh, of uh, of American history in, in American history. And um, the thing is that that, uh, that that when they talk about the film, they saw it, it's, it's very much a kind of a, a realistic kind of look at war, but it's not really uh, kind of as realistic for me as Saving Private Ryan, for example, which was just bloodletting the whole way through. Mm. In fact, there's hardly any kind of blood in this film. And so basically, so even though the director at one stage is saying, look, yeah, this is the reality of war. It kind of isn't really. For, for a start, the Taliban are terrible uh, at shooting. Uh, they, you know, their, their aim isn't very good. Also, you see the soldiers running through explosions. Now, when an explosion happens next to you, of course, that bomb is... is, is um 
And if it doesn't it's, kill you, it's going to take a leg or an well, arm off. Well, it's designed to spread shrapnel, you yeah. know, within 10, 15 yards. Yeah. And yet they're running through these explosions. And that kind of undermined, I think, the reality of it. As far as a kind of an action-packed kind of um, kind of adventure film, certainly, yeah. I mean, as, uh, as a film, if you want to kind of describe it as that, it is really, really entertaining and very, very well done. The most interesting thing about the film, well, there's, there's a number of interesting things uh, about the film. First of all, it's um, the screenplay is by Jake Tapper from CNN. Oh, it's, yeah. it's based on his book. Okay. And uh, I didn't particularly, the one part of the problem is that I didn't think the screenplay was very good because basically every second word is an F word. The, the, the soldiers are very, very much kind of all about bravado and machismo and I didn't particularly like it and I found it very difficult to identify uh, with them and I didn't really like that. Although later on, I think uh, you do, you know, get to, to care a little bit more. Uh, it's directed by Rod Lurie who directed the film Straw Dogs uh, a couple of years ago, which was a remake of a very good film, um, uh, but his version wasn't particularly very good. The most interesting thing for it for me is its cast, right? Because it became renowned for um, having a cast full of the offspring of very famous people. So uh, let's see how good, let's see how well you do, all right? So it stars uh, Scott Alder. Oh, um, Alan... Alan Alder. Alan Alder. He's Alan Alder's uh, grandson. Yeah. Uh, Will Attenborough. Attenborough, David? Uh, That's his granduncle. His uh, grandfather's Richard Attenborough. Of course. Uh, Milo Gibson. Uh, which one of the Gibsons is he? He's the son of Mel Gibson. Oh, oh God. <laughs> uh, James Jagger. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger's son. Oh. And Scott Eastwood. Clint. Clint's son, yeah. And I'm looking at Orlando Bloom is in it, but it's him himself. It is, he's not an offspring. No, exactly. And uh, the, when Wait, you talk to... Was that deliberately done, all the famous offsprings? Well, you see, that's the thing. Obviously, the director says, oh, it's just coincidence, and, and nobody's there because of Milo their name. He said, come, come on, give me a break. You know what I mean? They're there because, you know, obviously a couple w- became available, and so therefore he decided to kind of uh, reach out and see exactly who was out there. But yeah, and possibly, and part of the problem is sometimes the performances aren't really great. The interesting thing about Scott Eastwood is that... I've seen him uh, a number of times in the past and he's been himself there is a scene where he is doing his father he's looking up to the sky and he's doing that Clint thing you know and he, you know he's doing an impression of his father do you know what I mean and I've also just copped his name in it as Clint and exactly yeah. yeah so there's a lot of in jokes and unfortunately for me this kind of undermines then this idea yeah. that the film is kind of you know projects the kind of re- the, the reality of war when really it's just a kind of an action movie really and at times it's great and uh, at times you're kind of yeah you're kind of ugh. You're kind of thinking that's not very good, you know what I mean? Um, but it's certainly worth uh, a watch, and uh, yeah, the, the the cast I thought and was And kind of I'm also reading that several soldiers in the film were played by actual soldiers from Combat Outpost Keating. Uh, yeah, there were, and actually, the um, at the end of the film, there are interviews with the actual uh, soldiers themselves who talk about uh, you know the, the events uh, of that day into night, and it was quite harrowing, quite harrowing indeed. The other interesting thing too is that there's a song at the end who, and the song is um, performed by Rita Wilson, who is Tom Hanks' wife. So... Another little connection. Another little but connection. It's, when you say it's the, the book, but I, I remember that book, and I didn't read it, but I remember reviews of Jake Tapper's book. Uh, that was also called The Outpost. That was a really good book. I haven't read the book. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, just, I remember seeing reviews of it. I mean, yeah. it was was really, really well received. Yeah, I mean, the, if you go on YouTube, Jack Tapper uh, also interviews um, a number of the people involved uh, in the battle as well, which is kind of interesting. And obviously that incited his kind of interest in the battle. And so therefore he wrote the book and he also wrote the screenplay here as well. So look, it's not terrible. It's OK. It's fine. And uh, if you're looking for an action movie, you know what I mean? Um, I would recommend it. But I'm 
more interested now in trying to spot the famous star's sons. <laughs> <laughs> OK, Mark, uh, it's called The Outpost. Uh, Mark, it out of 10? I'll give it seven. Seven out of ten. OK. And are they, it's, uh, the movies are back up and running. People are going to the cinemas again, are they? Uh, the they cinemas are. open, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've had my oh. second jab, so um, I'll oh, yeah. be heading back uh, into the cinemas very soon. OK, well, enjoy. Listen, thank you for that okay. and thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie uh, reviewer. And uh, a number of people still get these guard the scam calls. They seem to be very prevalent this morning. Somebody said, just this morning, I've received three of those calls, all coming from 087 numbers and on and on. I can see lots of texts and WhatsApps all saying the very same thing. OK, that's where I leave you for uh, today. Uh, let us not forget that next Sunday is Father's Day to all fathers out there. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful uh, day. I'll be back with you on Monday morning. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon until Monday at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.